0: well hey Stacy. welcome back to another episode of slightly filtered
1: hi Jason and I'm also calling it slightly broken because sometimes I get up in the morning and I wonder what fresh you know what my body is gonna tell me that it is, just doesn't work huh? no somebody said um You know, we think when we're younger, we think in our 40s and 50s, we're going to have it all together and we're going to know where we're going and what we're doing. And then we get to 60 and we're 60-ish and we finally figure it out. We know what we're doing. We don't put up with anything. And then our bodies start falling apart. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of crazy. But we don't want to talk about bodies because...
0: I do want to preface something first real quick. If you're watching the show... And all of a sudden, I magically disappear. It's because Frontier Communications is coming to install fiber today. Can't miss that. So what will happen is the phone will ring and I'll disappear.
1: And it won't be like because that. I just made him. Cinema magic. I did my magic and made him go away. So yeah, bad. you witch. Which I am happy that we're having Robin Roberts. I've tried, I you Robin, know, for months to. to I thank you. To, thank I mean, you you know, it was really, uh, I know you're so busy, so so coordinating, you know, with you to get you here. I know that was a a hassle. And even, even after this show, you've got something that comes up. So I really appreciate you taking the time to come down here because I want to talk about behavior health in Mona County and what is going on there. And I got to say, I'm on the advisory board and I'm a newbie on the advisory board. So I mostly just listen, you know, Mm -hmm. to what's going on right now, but I am in awe of everything that you have going on. I had, until I was on this board, I had no idea, Mm -hmm. you know, what is going on. So if you can Mm -hmm. explain to us um, what it is that you do and what it is your department does for Mono County.
2: Sure, I'll give it a good shot. Um, So I am the director of the behavioral health department for Mono County, Mm -hmm. and there are 58 counties in the state of California, as you may know, and all of them have a um, publicly funded mental health and substance use disorder programs. Um, and in Mono and most counties, um, have a variety of different entities that they can contract services out to. Mm -hmm. In Mono County, we are the one-stop shop because we're a very remote frontier County. Um, and so we do literally everything there. And so it can be, let's see, I'll, I'll, I'm going to, definitely forget some things. It's not intentional. It's just a lot, as you said. So we're funded primarily by the state and the federal government. We have a few grants. We're not connected um, to the Mono County General Fund. So that's one way of saying to you that the state is... The state of California, for reasons that perplex me, is highly, highly, highly regulatory in terms of trying to protect the dollar and the person. Mm -hmm. And so which I fully agree with. We should protect our tax dollar and, of course, p- protect people. What it means for a very small county like Mono County is we're hi- we, we have to meet all of the regulations and all of the mandates and all of the audits that we have in a single year. And so we have a staff that is partly administrative, and then we have a staff that's partly programmatic, and then we have a staff that's um, clinical.
1: Okay, so administrative mean they... Take make sure that you guys are meeting all the regulations. And, oh yeah, and then the clinical is the, the people that work with the public.
2: Correct. They work. They they're either mental health clinicians or case managers, and they work with people who enter our system for mental health reasons, mm-hmm. or they're um, our substance use disorder. Um, team, and they work with people who either are mandated to services, like for the DUI program or um, drug diversion, if somebody were to get arrested for drugs, although that's less and less happening because of changes at the state level. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they also provide services to people who are looking for drug and alcohol services. And
1: who's the other part? You said administrative, clinical, and... Then we
2: have our programs, where you. that is some of what you hear about at the advisory committee, where we... We provide different um, community programs to any community member that would like to attend in Shelfont, Benton, Levining, Bridgeport, Walker, Colville, and Mammoth, I okay. think that's all of them, At June Lake as well. So what we, what we believe is that humans are increasingly lonely and that connection is the biggest healer that all of us have all of us have to contribute all of us need and are hungry for and so we create community events so that people have a place to connect with whomever they can connect with staff if they would like to or they can connect with each other and or they can just come and just do whatever the activity might be and not connect with anybody if that's what they want but they can still be around people if they would like to be and so our community programs are driven by each community. Each community asks for something slightly different because they're different. And then we try to tweak that the best that we can in order to give people opportunities to do things with adults and and kids. Safe, safe, no alcohol or drugs are allowed kind Mm -hmm. of experience. And we're very, it's always at the same time at a certain day. Of course, weather will get in the way and, you know, things will get in the way as we all know. But
0: People don't understand that they think social media connects us, but really it, it keeps us apart. Very much. And we need that that physical very connectivity. Much. Mm-hmm. It's important.
2: Yeah, and I think...
0: What, I think that's affected a lot of people. I think absolutely. we have a lot of mental health issues these days. Absolutely. Social media.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, well, I mean, I, I Isolation. Got, isolation and just disconnection. I, I think that more and more we're not very good listeners, So Hmm? people will do a thing where you ask somebody how they are and they give you an answer. They say, oh, I'm fine, except my dog has diarrhea or whatever. And then we immediately jump in, sorry about that, immediately jump in with, um, oh, yeah, when my dog, you know, and we just, then we leave that person in the dust, so to speak. So Mm -hmm. one of the things we've been talking about is how do we help reach in? How do we teach people to just listen a little bit better so that there's some just it doesn't. You don't have to listen to a person's life story if you don't want to. But there's just a little bit more connection there. But
0: don't you think that I mean, I part of me I understand what you're saying about it. But when they when they do bring up, don't you think they're trying to empathize in those situations when they're saying that? But then being misguided in
2: absolutely yeah. I don't think it's it's not out of delicious. malice for sure. No, never not not at so all. There's a the
0: line there. Well,
2: I think it's hunger versus hunger, right? Like so, if uh-huh. you ask me a question about how I'm doing and I take the risk to tell you a little bit more than I'm fine and move on, right? Right. And then you start talking about your own experience before I have the opportunity to tell you a little bit more about mine. Mm. Then I feel like now I'm listening to you when you actually ask me. So there's an exchange discrepancy. Mm. which
1: You know, it. I, I think it's a, I like it's a... We've, we've lost the ability to read each other's cues, mm-hmm. I think, and I, a lot of it has to do with social media because I am sometimes aware, like I'm doing it right now, I am sometimes aware that I will try and share a story mm-hmm. when I'm supposed to be listening yeah. to somebody else, I do that a lot. you know, and, and I have had to put myself in a place where I, I'm thinking to myself, okay, this isn't about me. Mm-hmm. You know, this person needs to vent. This person needs to share. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm good. I don't need to share, but I need to listen right now. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely, 100%, we've, we have forgotten the art of listening.
0: I don't know if we've forgotten so much. I think part of it is teaching. Because I remember back in the 80s, we were taught to try to do that mm-hmm. so that we were relating with them mm-hmm. and making the experiences personal between the two. Mm-hmm. And I know that I overdo mm-hmm. that. I know that I'm guilty of it.
2: I also wonder, you know, I just recently came back from Southern California for a visit, and I and I'm not, I'm not out in the world a ton here anyway. But I and but I noticed that there were families at tables at restaurants where everyone was on their phone at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you can look at that and go, oh, "What's wrong with those people?" or "What's happening?" what you lose when you do that is the nuance of just being a little bit bored perhaps or a little bit awkward and and that you don't have something that you can just grab and take care of that anxiety you have to kind of reach out a little bit that to me is more what we're missing is kind of what you're saying right where we we don't necessarily know how to be with another person and just be, be there because yeah. we're so used to the distraction now. And, and it's common. What's and, crazy is they'll be in the
0: same room texting each other. I know
1: that's crazy. So how do I you, have done that in
0: my life. I will say. So
1: how do you, okay. <laughs> so Robin, what, what kind of programs or how does, how does Mono County Behavioral Health try to bring the community together? And like we are said, everybody is on their phones and that is separating us more than anything.
2: Um. So we Again, we promote as many community events as we can. Um, to go back to your original question about what it is we do, we in our department we have a program called Harm Reduction, mm-hmm. and that is where um, the idea around interfacing with somebody who uses drugs or alcohol is that we want them to be safe, we want them to stay alive, and we want them to come back. And it, when I was first a therapist in the early 80s, um, there was a lot, there was a demarcation around if somebody was using drugs or alcohol, we weren't ethically allowed to see them for mental health services. And so that never made sense to me. That mm. if, Like, Why? first of all, we had, the idea being that if somebody wasn't quote willing or ready, or that, you know, there's a lot of moralism around drugs and alcohol in this culture. And so um, when I was in, I came from Santa Cruz, California and I worked then at the what was then called the needle exchange. And that's where I learned that the way for people to get connected to services typically was by just treating them with dignity and respect, not expecting them to be abstinent, not even having that be on the table. And that if they needed a sandwich, you got them a sandwich. If they needed help with abscesses, you figured out a way to help them on that. They need a glass of water, whatever the things were. And that really taught me a lot about just being where people are, giving them what they need in that moment of where they are, because they know what they need. And then from there, a relationship gets built. And through that relationship, then they may decide that they want to be in recovery of some sort or another. And so when I came to Mono County with that experience, which was very powerful for me, um, i I made some decisions, not just all by myself, but then trying to figure out what would it be like to promote a harm reduction model in a county government system. And at that time, we weren't allowed to use the words harm reduction. We could only talk about abstinence. Hmm. And that's from the just say no era i mean what will happen you know is something will happen a mandate or will happen at the federal level typically and then it trickles down to everyone including a small little county like mono and then you're stuck under it for decades and so, you know, why aren't we able to say harm reduction? And you can provide services to people to have them stay alive, safe, and come back without calling it that. And so that's what we just started to do. We shifted away from abstinence only to making a place for people to be able to come to us and get the services that they needed. And then if they decided they wanted to pursue, recovery from drugs or whatever, then we can help them with that. So that's we do that. We do all of the mandated services for DUI, like I had said. Um, We work in the jail. We do all the crisis um, evaluations for psychiatric crisis, suicide, homicide or grave disability due to a mental health disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, We do individual counseling, family counseling. We work in the schools. I know there's more. I'll probably think of it as I'm going. I, I also want to just make sure an administrative staff is what supports a county's ability to do all of that work out in the public. Mm-hmm. And so our administrative staff, especially our front office, they're the hub, right? They, they talk to every single person that calls or emails or texts us and so everyone in our department is equally important to making sure that we're able to provide what we need and what the community may want and also what people may need um, in terms of therapeutic services.
1: So I have a question, so if um, you mentioned the jail, so if somebody is sent away for a long time and they want to come back you know and and restart their life again in Mono County, is there a way for the inmate or for the prison or whatever to get in touch with the county and start Kind of start um, I don't want to say forming a place for the person, but um, getting the person ready to just integrate into the community.
2: That's a very good question. so the I'll give you the slightly complicated answer, which is there are many systems involved with somebody who's incarcerated, whether they're incarcerated at a federal level, a state level, or county level, right? And all of those entities have their own rules and regulations, and they don't necessarily talk to any other entity. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of cracks that people who are released, especially if they've had a long sentence, they can be released from, let's say, Idaho, Mm -hmm. and then they want to come back to Mono County because that's their home county, let's say. So that would be a parole issue. Mm -hmm. Which is under, then would get housed under potentially probation, then maybe we'll hear about it, maybe we won't. We don't tend to have prisons reach out to us directly when there's, when people are going to parole back into the county to offer the services that they may or may not have been getting in the, while they were incarcerated. Um, So it's a, I mean, it's a bit of a crapshoot, basically. I know
1: there's something called the interstate compact that the Western states have, um, you know, to help inmates mm-hmm. reintegrate themselves if they're arrested, like you said, in Idaho, and they want to come back to Inyo County or even LA County or San Francisco right. County. Right. How to do that in a safe manner that um, supports them in a way that they won't go back. Right. You know, so right. that kind of thing.
2: Right. I know more about how it works in the state of California and how it then impacts our particular jail, mm-hmm. which, you know, again, like because we're a small county you know we have less than 14,000 people our numbers are always on the you know our data sets are very 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 small mm-hmm. compared to a larger small county even and so um we tend to know everybody that's in jail we tend to know everybody that not everybody that's on probation but anybody that's on probation that might intersect with us child welfare same thing so mm-hmm. We're we can offer, I think, very comprehensive, mostly crack free services that way, but we're that's a product partly of the people that work here and partly that of our size, is right. that you know, we just don't have the volume that others have. Right. Our caseloads aren't thousands of people, for instance.
1: Right. And oh, my gosh, I can't even imagine. Um, so I have a question. So I, I'm just going to kind of change um, change tune here a little bit. I want to mm-hmm. talk to the Mobile Crisis Unit. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about the Mobile Crisis
2: Unit? Sure. So um, in the state of California, there's a new mandate to provide... Psych- to basically try to get law enforcement out of the center of responding, of the only being the only responders to people who are having a mental health crisis. So if you were to go to an urban area, you very easily could find a person having a mental health crisis. It's relatively obvious, right? They're probably the person standing on the corner screaming and yelling and they look, from my angle anyway, they look very, very, very distressed. Mm-hmm. And so for a very long time um, in the state of California, law enforcement would respond to those calls, sometimes trained, sometimes not, um, and sometimes successful and sometimes not in helping that person get to whatever they needed next. So not that long ago, the state decided that all counties were required to do what's called mobile crisis response. What that means in Los Angeles or Orange County or um one of the larger counties is that they have vans of people that when there's a call, they just go out onto the street and they help with law enforcement to get that person what they might need. The idea partly is to get them what they need, treat them with dignity and respect, figure out if they can create relationship, and also keep them out of our hospital system and our jail. Um, and I think they've been extremely successful. So in Mono County, we're often asked to do, the model that is what we call the LA standard. So LA, Los Angeles has to do this particular thing. And so not every county has to do this particular thing in the way that you do it in LA. So they created response times and things like that that are completely impossible in Mono County. Especially in the winter for sure in the winter. Yes. <laughs> so, what we did instead is we we worked Kern County has a model of remote response that they've been doing with their sheriff's department in some of the more remote parts of Kern County where they go out with an iPad and then that iPad connects directly to a provider in my department and then we have the ability to like assess that person, triage what's next, and also, again, create relationship and try to handle a way in which they can do services. So in Mono County, starting next week, we'll be doing some trainings with our medics and our sheriff's department. It will be a collaborative amongst our three departments. We're going to do a pilot project from June Lake North mm-hmm. and um, basically beta test it before we try to roll it out in a, in a place that has... Still a few calls, but more calls than you might see, for instance, in the corridor, the 395 corridor, um, in Mammoth Lakes, California.
1: So, so the people who are going to be training this are already working for the county, so to speak, in the sheriff's department or the fire department.
2: That's the model right now. Um, so you, th- there, there are other models where peers are involved with the with the crisis stabilization.
1: So peers meaning people who have already like, people with lived past- experience. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. And it's very broad what that means. Right. I mean, um, so it may be somebody who's been hospitalized because, you know, one of the things that we deal with a fair bit, like mostly people don't understand what we do, mm-hmm. I think. And people think we have more powers, powers and power to do the things that they see. So uh, we get calls with regularity from all matter of people who will look at a person and say, that person is very distressed and there's scary. Mm -hmm. And we can go, yep, that person is very distressed. And and they, you know, I can see why you might think they're scary. I don't think they would necessarily be scary to me because they're my people, you know, right. And I don't have the power to go just tell that person what to do around their mental health. And this, you know, we, this country is very individual rights related, And so Mm -hmm. in the same way that I can't just show up at your house with a bottle of pills, because I think you really would benefit from this particular type of thyroid medication, you'd be like, get away from me. People with mental health disorders feel the same. So we can't just force people to take medication. There's an experience that people have who have psychotic disorders where they do not think there's anything wrong with their brain. Schizophrenia. For sure. Yeah. Types of bipolar is the same. Mm -hmm. And so it's It's alarming to them and often feeds into paranoia if they have it, that somebody is telling them to take this poison um, in in order to, quote, get better when they don't think there's anything wrong. And so I don't have magical powers or potions or dust I can sprinkle on a person to magically get them to, th- to decide that they have a psychosis and they need to treat it The other piece about that is all antipsychotic medications have significant secondary um, what we call uh, when you have a side effect side effect yeah. including metabolic disorders like diabetes like heart like significant heart disease it can really, start to shave off some of your lifespan. Wow. So we're asking people to take these meds so that they might feel better or, or be able to function more, which is not a bad thing, and be less distressed, which is definitely not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But it's not like we're giving them a glass of water. We're giving them a medication that also causes these other things to occur. Right. And and often also makes them feel a little bit like muted or deadened inside potentially right
1: that's what i've heard from people who who i know who are bipolar they 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 don't like the meds because they're like they're flatlined right you know they just they 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 feel nothing
2: right so if you have a good relationship with somebody who has bipolar one or a psychotic disorder let's say and and you just again it's that harm reduction model of I wanna see you, I want you to come back, I want you to be safe and I wanna do whatever I can to keep you safe and alive, right? That's my role in your life. Create a relationship with you, uh, with dignity around that. Then over time, and it could be a long time, they will begin to come back. And if they eventually start to feel like They want to do something differently. Like, for instance, a lot of people want to go back to work, Mm -hmm. but they're just too disorganized and too anxious and too, they got too much going on in their head to be able to function at a job. And so it'll be a a motivator and a driver to go back to work. And then medication would be part of that. In the same way it might be for any of us with some other physical thing going on, right? And and so then they're more w- likely and more willing to take medications on so their h- own.
1: How is your department involved with with that? And also if people, let's say hypothetically I have a relative who is in a really bad mental state, can I call your office and say help, what do I do?
2: Well, so to answer the first question, we have psychiatry. So I actually need to say this part and the, I I feel always Mixed about this. I work for the government and I have to follow the rules, mm-hmm. right? That's my job, that's my role, even if I don't necessarily di- agree with them. And what that means is a public mental health system, which Mono County is, um, m- can only see people with Medi Cal, Mono County Medi Cal. So, Medi Cal in the state of California, if I were to have it and go to San Diego, I always say this and I hope this doesn't happen to me, but If I go to San Diego and break my arm and I have Medi-Cal, I can walk into an urgent care or the emergency department down in San Diego and get treatment. If I have a mental health disorder, I have to only get treatment in my home county.
1: But that doesn't make any sense.
2: Welcome to government. I don't know what to say. I agree. But what it means for us is is that we're very small, right? And we often have people who have commercial insurance or could pay cash um, who want services, and we have to deny them certain types of services because they don't have the Medi-Cal, and that's our mandate. And I could explain to you, it's not that interesting, but any Medi-Cal person has we follow them in many, 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 many different ways, data-wise, to make sure that we're protecting that person and giving them the services that we're required to give them. Wow. So, if a if a loved one or a friend calls us about a person, obviously we can't tell you if we can't confirm or deny if we know that person, um, but we can definitely hear what you have to say or try to help direct you to whatever we might have available that might be useful to you.
1: Okay. Oh, um, thank you for mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you too. Um, I, I, remember from the meeting that um, there's opportunity for people, you're going to be able to hire people. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about, we sure. we've a we couple have, of minutes.
2: We have so, a couple wellness centers and we have community centers and we do our wellness programs in the communities that I already outlined. And we have some positions available come mid-September where people can come in and um, if they want to do a cl- like a particular type of class for a community or they have some mental experience with mental health or lived experience and they want to do a peer group, let's say, or, I mean, kind of we'll entertain almost anything really, if it's obviously safe and reasonable. Um, and if people, Want to work in their community. We want to hire people from the community they have the most impact mm-hmm. because I don't live in Shellfont. So I don't know that community, but somebody from Shellfont that might want to do a youth program and hang out with, you know, some 12 year olds in an afternoon and play games or whatever, and then do some social, emotional, pro- what's called pro social. So just some experiences with each other around how to make good decisions and all of that. We would be highly. Really happy to have you come talk to us about that.
1: Are you going to be advertising that, or yeah, yeah. putting it out there? Yeah,
2: we have to wait till the board adopts our budget, and that will be on the. I think I believe it's the twelfth of September. I'm not. I'm don't quote me on that. But after that date, then we can start our hiring processes. And yes, we will absolutely be putting okay. that out in the public.
1: Okay. How long have you been with the county? Fifteen years. Fifteen years. Yep. And uh, what do you do for fun when you're not?
2: Oh and I have doing- a mess of dogs. I do a lot of walking. I <laughs> I get out. I love this place so much and you I You
1: post some amazing pictures on Facebook. Are do. those are those just from your yard or Some
2: of them. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah, just I, Yeah, I mean, I just point and shoot. I mean, it's not it's pretty hard to take a bad picture here, I think. I go out into the wilderness as much as I can. I what, just what's love What's your favorite hike in the area? Um, right. Recently I went up into the Tioga Pass area. Oh, okay. Um, and I didn't see a oh, soul. I saw a lot of mosquitoes, but I did not see any people.
1: Where? We're,
2: Just we're, off the Saddlebag Road. There's like this little turn off and then there's a huge long meadow for a couple of miles you can walk up. and Really? Yeah. Before you
1: get to Saddlebag Lake? Correct. On the right side or the left side? Oh, oh no, wait. Left the side if
2: you're going up. I can, I'll draw you a little map. It's okay. my secret spot. Okay, well, well then I won't I won't no, share it's, it. Now. No, it's fine. It's it's just like I I'll go anywhere, really.
1: <laughs> and I I mean this is your retirement place when, mm, when that time, you're so, not yeah. you're not going anywhere. That's
2: I'm good. not planning on it. That last winter um <laughs> I I actually Yeah. i I can do more winters like that. That wasn't that hard. I you do you live in Crowley, right? It's yes. It's okay. the worrying about snow that yeah. I mean fine, I'm sorry. It's the worrying about fire that right. kinda gets me. Yeah, I live in Crowley but I live on a on a non-county road that is a little treacherous and I used to live in Old Mammoth and I was super glad I wasn't there for this last winter we
1: live in Old Mammoth yeah I
2: it's the winter vortex I
1: don't want it I told my husband I said I don't want to be here anymore in the winter I said we're not selling the house I said but I don't want to be here yeah you know and he for the first time actually hired people to help with the snow removal. exactly and this is a man for 40 years been doing it by himself and it was just and we have another one possibly coming in yeah. and so um yeah old mammoth i know we um yeah see these i know these new cups we have see the seven words we can't say on the air those are all the seven words i feel about this last winter in and here. i'm not alone and there was uh we're almost out of time and i just want to talk to you because i i know there's a lot of people that have ptsd from this yes. past winter and without
2: question and
1: i would love to have you back you i'm know, happy to come back. talk more about that so i would
2: be more than happy to come thank back. You. i really enjoy you and I enjoy these this medium and you know the more we can get the word out the better
0: I love it when a plan doesn't come together